Hello, and welcome back to The Tenth Man. This is episode 27. It is Saturday, May 23rd, at the time of filming. Uh, I am very excited to bring this episode to you today. I had a great conversation with a very long-time friend of mine. Uh, we go back to uh, elementary school years. And uh, he's a, a lawyer here in Sacramento. He practices out of Elk Grove. And uh, we've been talking for a while about getting him on the show. He offers a lot of great insight. And uh, I like to think of him as uh, kind of a, a version of me, but smart, <laughs> especially in terms of all this COVID stuff that's going on. So we had a really good conversation, just kind of catching up on old times, uh, discussing uh, where he's been in terms of the law world and how, how the law uh, world has changed over the last 10 years or so and how things are looking forward uh, going ahead with, with what's going on with COVID-19. So please check it out. I hope you enjoy. So we're back again uh, for, for take two here. Uh, one of the things I'm learning with podcasting is there's there's a lot of uh, time and, and trial and error going that goes into it. So I uh, appreciate having you back on here. Uh, don't know if I should, should I call you Mr. Marar now? Uh, no, Tofi no, Marar, about Tofik. Esquire. Tofik is simpler. <laughs> Not Tofik, Tofik is good. Yeah, to, so Tofik, uh, Tofik and I go back uh, quite a long ways, right? We, it's uh, elementary school days. Yeah, 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 we go back to the early 90s. Yeah. Uh, Without getting into details, right, yeah. the 90s. <laughs> I know, you're, you're, you're conscious of uh, revealing our ages, so... Yeah, yeah. As, as you get older, you got to be a little more conscious, you know, right? Because the, the the numbers tend to creep up on you. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, so I I really appreciate you uh, coming on the show with me today. Uh, as you know, I've been kind of talking a lot of COVID lately, and uh, I understand you've got you've got a blog, and and you've been talking about it as well. So I, I kind of appreciate having some some expertise uh, on the show. No, no, sure. It's it's you know, whatever we can offer, whatever advice we can offer. Um, you know, as an attorney, maybe I look at this from a different perspective as the layman in terms of, um, you know, advising businesses and advising, advising clients. So right. whatever we can offer to the listeners out there, um, you know, your listeners, uh, my clients out there, we'll, 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 do. we'll do. Well, yeah, before we get into all that, um, you know, I'd like to kind of jump back in time a little bit. I know, you know, you and I haven't seen each other in, I don't know, well, like I said, you don't want to necessarily say the years, but it's been a while. And, uh, we, we both kind of graduated and went our separate ways. So, um, what what, uh, what what got you into pursuing law, and uh, and how did you find yourself there? Well, 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 I mean, I think it's okay for people to know that we've known each other. Chris and I, we go back <laughs> elementary school, middle school, high school. Yeah. Um, I when I finished high school, you know, I finished high school and we finished, you know, right when the uh, the Gulf, the second Gulf War, the Iraq War was starting. And I knew that I wanted to do something when it came to human rights or, you know, uh, international rights. So I went to my undergrad, got my degree in international relations. I went into law school a couple of years after that. And I, I really had, you know, this, this bastion, this, this passion to make a change in the world, which I think so many people, we, we believe that when we're younger. So I went into law school, wanted to do human rights law or international law, refugee rights. And uh, it wasn't long after getting into that, maybe halfway through law school, that I figured, hey, you know, I'm not going to make any money doing any of this. I got a lot of expenses. I'm going to have student loans to pay, expenses for my family. And, you know, it's, it's, there's no money in that kind of stuff, especially sort of being in Northern California where I was situated. A lot of the big institutions are either based out east or they're, you know, in Europe or 
uh, overseas. So I sort of segued uh, to doing something which I was always passionate for as well, was small business law, caring for you know the mom and pops um, uh, in the community and those small businesses. And that's what I segued into, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, I first, uh, uh, when I first finished law school, I was actually working in the bankruptcy court uh, in downtown nice. Sacramento. Uh, and I think being exposed to um, the kind of cases that come into bankruptcy court, you see it all. You see consumers that go through financial struggles, whether they have credit issues, tax issues, business issues. You see businesses that go into financial struggles. Um, I think we're seeing a lot of that right now with the COVID uh, issue uh, right. missing and uh, starting up again. And then I just, uh, I opened my own practice shortly after that um, in 2014. And I've been doing it ever since, doing commercial law, transactional law, you know, business law type stuff, and also doing quite a bit of estate planning, uh, you know, wills and trusts, and things like that. So um, right. it's been a well, it's been good. You meet a lot of some of amazing people. Uh, I love my clients to death. Uh, each one of them is a unique story that I, I am honored to be a part of and help facilitate uh, every step of their you know, their legal journey, right? Their legal process. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Do Do you find like uh, that? the world of law has changed over the last 10 or so years uh, and, and have you changed with it? Like, are you still able to hold on to that idealistic tofik that you, that got you into law in the first place? That's a great question. I think maybe you're, you're it's a challenging question. Am I still able, I'll do the second part first. Can I remain the yeah. idealistic tofik? I, I, I think you can't help but have that, um, that, 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 that goal of perfection in terms of the kind of change you want to do. And I think, you right. know, regardless of what your, um, your career is from eight to five, or regardless of what your, um, you know, what kind of law you practice as an attorney, um, each person, regardless if they're an attorney or not, should have a passion that drives them. They have to have a passion right. that drives them. And in that case, my passion is still stays the same. It's just a matter of time before I convert that passion into, you know, full-time career type thing. But there's so many, I mean, there, there, there's so many, there have been so many changes you can say over the past several years since I was in law school 10 years ago to what's going on now. I mean, uh, I think that the study of law has changed in terms of the cost of education has just skyrocketed since I was there. Right. Um, I, I think that income disparity and the fact that the income and the earning capacity for attorneys has not necessarily went up dollar for dollar for what the cost of education was, right. what the cost of education has become. Um, it's very expensive to go to any graduate school, any yeah. professional school. Is very, I mean, Absolutely. Chris, you know this, you and your family know this. It's very expensive to go to any professional school. And one of the interesting things with attorneys is unless you're really able to break into that high-paying, you know, six-figure job, which are actually very limited, not like what you see on TV. They're actually very limited. Unless you're able to break into those, um, you, you, you sort of scratch your head and say, is it worth um, uh, uh, the, the financial investment I'm going to make that I'm in, I'm going right. to go into law school and becoming an attorney. Um, and I think that's really the third point, you know, people ask me to talk about the cost of education. I'm talking about the earning capacity. Then you say, Hey, wh where's the prestige in this? You know, I, I rare, I rarely come across, I, I rarely had any law school friends who say, Hey, I want to be an attorney because I like the prestige. There's no prestige <laughs> in what we do. Right. It's not, it's not like what you see on, uh, on, on suits or these shows. A lot of it's more of a hustle and a grind initially. Right. Um, I started watching the show, and you and I talked about this, the show Better Call Saul. Yeah, I love that show. Ago. Yeah. And, you, know, I, you put aside what the guy, put aside the illegal things he does, that Jimmy <laughs> right. McGill or right. Saul Goodman does. But a, a lot of that struggle, you see Jimmy McGill in the precursor character, a lot of the struggles you see him going through 
I think any small attorney or any uh, young attorney can um, can really uh, relate to. Sure. You know, the, the long yeah. hours, the not knowing where your next paycheck is going to come from. The having a, a, a office as like a broom closet in the back oh of some God. shop. I, I, you know, when I first started practicing law, I, um, I used to meet my clients at a coffee shop. I didn't have an office. Really? I used to meet them at a coffee shop. And I was thinking, all right, this is, you know, crazy. It's awkward. But you'd be surprised how many young attorneys do that. Uh, and now looking back, you know, I, I have an office and I have, you know, uh, there's people that help me in the office of staff. Right. Um, there's a meeting room and all this stuff. You got all the fancy printers and those things. But looking back, you know, I, I, I can never look down on anybody who's trying to hustle their way into becoming a lawyer. You can oh, never, absolutely. I, I, I did it myself. And I think that's where um, you appreciate and you gain that respect for the profession. Put aside all the negative stuff you hear about attorneys, and there are a lot of negative stuff, and some of it is well-deserved. Um, <laughs> but uh, 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 somebody who's really hustling and trying to make it as an attorney, they're going to have to work outside the box, think right. outside the box, because um, you know, you're up against these big corporate lawyers. And a lot of these big corporations that have hundreds of attorneys, whether it's law firms or as, you know, international business corporations, um, you're struggling against them at times. Right. And when you're in an adversarial proceeding, you know, you'll be finding yourself working from home if you're a sole practitioner often. You have your house fluttered with papers. Um, work follows you everywhere. Uh, right. You don't have a support staff. You don't have associates. You don't have paralegals, those kinds of things. Some, a lot of people don't. Uh, and so you, you really struggle. And it hits you um, financially because, you know, you've got all these expenses. It hits you mentally because, you know, you're doing it all on your own. Right. And, uh, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for a lot of young attorneys. And I think we all, we all go through that. I went through that. Everybody goes through that. And looking back years later, you say, hey, you know, it was a great experience for us to go through. It was an amazing experience for us to go through because we saw what the struggle was that comes to the career. I, I, right. I, I likened it to a doctor who's spending their first year or two uh, as a resident um, in which you know they're working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, making pennies on the dollar. But they're doing all the same hard work that every specialist or every uh, tenured physician is doing in the right. hospital. Um, and that's sort of their initiation. So as yeah. attorneys, that's sort of our initiation. Right. Yeah, no, I think uh, I, I think it's, it requires just such an uh, amazing level of just a mental fortitude and, and uh, really – you know, I, I my father was a lawyer also. Actually, mm -hmm. he went to the same school that you did. Yes, yeah. you went to McGeorge, right? Correct. Yeah, um, I went to, uh, yeah, University of Pacific McGeorge. Yeah. yeah. So I actually I have maybe a different perspective than than the average person on on lawyers because I see the other side of it. I see the the part that comes home and yeah. uh, the part that kind of uh, he actually worked. He's he was a defense attorney and actually worked in um, for a while. He worked in homicide and uh, I mean that's you know you. You know, and I, I guess I guess what I'm saying is, for me, I grew up with a different perspective in terms of not judging people mm -hmm. and not judging situations that you don't know the whole story. And I mean, it's easy for somebody to say, like, "Oh, you know, public defenders are terrible. They just defend the scum of the earth." But you might be on the other side of that one day, uh, where you need an attorney, and yeah, uh, yeah. it's it's easy to judge. But um, you know, you never know what situations you're going to be in, and 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 it gets back to the Constitution. I mean, that's it's it's our rights as citizens to have a fair trial. And uh, so, for me personally, I mean, I really uh, I admire lawyers. That's not to say that corrupt lawyers don't exist. Uh, absolutely. There's going to be bad apples in every profession. Obviously, we see that yeah. um, law enforcement as well. But uh, in terms of what you do, I think it's, it's really important. And, and, I, and like I said, I, 
I grew up seeing the 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 dark side in the sense of just kind of what it does to you emotionally. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely have to have a strong head on your shoulders to to do what you do. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing about law is there's so many different sectors, there's so many different fields of law you can get into. You know, I, I primarily practice civil law um, as opposed to criminal law, and even if somebody practices civil law, they can be doing things from you know real estate, commercial real estate, where they're dealing with you know sophisticated investors, sophisticated sellers. You can be doing family law, where you're dealing with you know divorce and custody and domestic violence all the time. You're dealing with bankruptcy, where you know you're dealing with people who are going through financial struggles, or in the case of your father, you could be in the criminal law um, uh, right. uh, arena, where you're dealing with either prosecution, prosecuting uh, the accused, or defending the accused. You mentioned constitutional, you know. Uh, right. There's always the assumption of innocence, and it's on the government right. to prove the guilt. And so, as an attorney, I, I did a few criminal law cases um, in my early years. As an attorney, you got to remember that you have to presume the innocence of the accused and the government's going to have right. to prove their guilt. Um, right. And so it, it doesn't necessarily make your job a lot easier, uh, but it's, it's seeing those things where you have somebody's livelihood at stake uh, and being accused of crime, it could be a lot more detrimental uh, in terms of what's at risk uh, in, the, right. in the walls of that court, as opposed to a civil trial or a, you know, a landlord tenant trial. Or right. you know, uh, um, something where there's money involved, you know, an insignificant amount of money, um, as opposed right. to somebody's livelihood or liberty yeah. or freedom. Or criminal trials, just you know, yeah, your your life could be at stake. I mean, uh, you know, or at least life as you know it. So yeah. it's, uh, definitely, and that, then of course that's also the other the other uh, dark side of, uh, especially with criminal law. This when your case doesn't necessarily work out, uh, sometimes you you might have a client that remembers you and yeah. uh, he did get i mean my dad got threats every once in a while um after the fact sometimes so uh, yeah it's a tough it's a tough job um I, i'm i'm curious uh you know the reason why i kind of asked about how how has law changed for you um you know kind of getting back up to speed with covid and everything i i i think that in general even um not even necessarily referring to covid but just social media and uh even, i mean even like what we're doing right now the yeah. fact that like being able to podcast remotely like this has become so much easier with technology i'm curious how uh and again i'll give you a chance to kind of talk about your website and your blog because i know you do some videos also um how has that part of the law uh changed for you in terms of how you market yourself and then also how getting up to speed with COVID, I, I've got to imagine that that's even changed things to a, a whole nother degree. How are, how are you managing all that? You know, I, I think like in any industry, you have to uh, adjust for the technological advancements and how those impact society. Um, in the healthcare field, telemedicine is really booming, getting people um, being treated in the comfort of their own home rather than having to come to a hospital or a healthcare clinic. Um, you know, shop grocery services now, you know, you shop online, stuff gets shipped to your door rather than you having to go to the grocery store. And this is right. a lot of these things predated the COVID crisis. But right. I think even as an attorney, you know, where, where marketing is no longer really the yellow pages like it used to be, you know, the pack right. yellow pages. It's online. So you got to know how to right. use online marketing. You know, a lot of um, clients, the vast majority of clients are going to learn from you either through Google or Facebook or some of these social media platforms. So having a decent presence there. And there's such... The thing that I think catches clients the most is the access to information. You got to make information known. You know, I right. I have a blog. You mentioned I keep on my website. I publish articles every so often. I do videos. 
And you know, these are free. We don't charge anything for these. And it's for the client to really get free information because that's what they want. They want initially right. to get, hey, I have questions about estate planning. What's the difference between a will and a trust? I have a question about, you know, the COVID crisis. Um, uh, what are the, you know, what are the benefits of the CARES Act uh, or the upcoming Hopeful Heroes Act? You know, what does this tax credit mean? How can I get this small business SBA loan? So you make that information right. available. Um, and I think yeah. once clients see that there is a face on the other side of the screen, they're able to get a lot of questions answered. Uh, you know, right. during the COVID crisis of the past couple of months, we've really seen a shift in um, uh, uh, client inquiries from business formation or litigation, you know, starting litigation or forming businesses to really business protection and uh, estate planning. A lot of people on the mm -hmm. estate planning side, they're concerned. They see, you know, the media hype on TV every day, on the computer every day, on the radio every day about illnesses and deaths. And they think, hey, this could be me. This could be my my friends, my family. So they're asking about estate planning, wills and trusts all the time. A lot of people were thinking of forming businesses or establishing new businesses, you know, going into the springtime, the summertime, which is common. Um, but now they're asking if they're going to have a paycheck when they start those businesses. Where is right. this money going to come from? A lot of banks are not lending money. A lot of people are hesitant to invest because economically the world is still shut down. So um, yeah. we went from forming new businesses to a lot of existing businesses saying, hey, Tofiq, when can I send my employees home? When can I rehire my employees? When can I open my doors again? And what liability do I have in doing that? How can I protect my business? Um, right. That's what sort of drove me to draft this new blog uh, article I put out there. In California, you know, the world is opening up again. And that's what they say. Right. Um, businesses are opening up. Some retailers are opening up. Um, you know, it's still a while until we see some of these hospitality uh, businesses like, you know, hip barbershops and massage parlors and nails open or gyms open. Mm -hmm. But a lot of, you know, economic things are opening up. So a lot of business owners yeah. are asking themselves, what do I do? And so, uh, you know, I tell them, you got to ask yourself three questions. Are you allowed to reopen? And, you know, have you been given the green light by um, the federal government or the state government or your local county or city government? Are you considered an essential business? Or if you're non-essential, are you allowed to open? Um, and once you answer that, and let's say the answer is yes, you got to ask yourself, is it safe to open? Um, do I have all of the needed precautions? Do I have the right staffing? Do I have the means to keep my customers and my patients socially distant from each other? Can I, is my business big enough to keep people six feet away? Do I have um, PPE? Do I have masks and gloves I can give to my employees, my assistants, right. my, my customers if they ask? Do I offer accommodations for people that do not want to enter into the business? Do I offer a curbside pickup? Um, is my ventilation system up to par? Uh, do I have sneeze guards or you know, those plexiglass shield you put in front of the cash registers? Is, is it safe? And hopefully if you're able to answer that yes, it is safe to open, then you ask yourself, is it smart to open? You know, Is this the right time for me to open? Can I ensure that I'm going to be stepping up my compliance, stepping up my disinfecting, stepping up all the necessary things that I have to do to keep my business safe. And hopefully, you know, right. if you feel that, you know, you're allowed to open, it's safe to open and taking all these things into consideration, it's smart to open that, you know, we encourage people if you can, I tell my clients, if you can't open, right. you have to generate some form of revenue for you and your family, do it, maybe do it on a limited or restricted basis initially. And so you learn the kinks of the system, see how the industry changes have been, and this varies industry to industry. I mean, healthcare right. is different than restaurant service. It's different than workplaces, different than grocery stores. Every industry is different. Um, if you check out the blog uh, online, maybe you can share a link later. 
um, we, we go through some of these uh, checklists you want to keep in mind. But uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a different society. It's going to be really yeah. different out there. Um, and I think it's, it's on each of us and it's incumbent on each of us to acknowledge that and appreciate it. There is going to be some level of inconvenience we're going to go through. And, um, right. you know, we, we, we don't have much of a choice because none of us, you know, none of us decided to be in the situation. None of us chose to be in the situation. Yeah. Uh, and we, we yeah. sort of have to deal with it until, you know, we get over this hurdle, hopefully, as a society and uh, right. return to life as we once thought it was as normal. Right. Yeah, I think that uh, those those three uh, questions that you ask there are, you know, well, first of all, I mean, I... I really appreciate, and again, part of why I want to bring you on the show is uh, you really show a lot of uh, sincere uh, concern for this whole this whole process, both in terms of like public health, but also uh, from the legal perspective. And uh, uh, liabilities come up, like you talk about: is it smart to reopen? People, you don't want people getting uh, injured or, or sick at your store. And I think it it speaks to the bigger picture of. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, that you like to provide information for free. Uh, I think that that's so important, uh, especially in today's age of uh, information and false information. Yeah. It's so easy to go online and, and be misled. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, help, it helps build that trust also with your, with your clientele. And also, I, I wanted to say uh, those three, uh, I mean, you should write a book or something or maybe be a motivational speaker because I, I think those three pieces of advice are, are kind of transcend uh, business is reopening, but it's kind of just good advice for life in general. Like any life choice you make, is it legal? <laughs> is it safe? Is it smart? I think those are things that we could all probably try to do a little bit more of uh, assessing ourselves in that, in that yeah, light. You know, when, I, when I was in my first year of law school, uh, my torts professor uh, said, you know, go out today, your assignment class is like my first week, maybe my first second week. So I go out, your assignment is just walk around society, car shops and dealerships, wherever it is, and ask yourself, do I see a possible tort? Do I see a possible hazard or injury that can take place? <laughs> so we came back, like right. a class of like 50, 60 people. We came back, and it was like a laundry list of stuff. And she was like, all right, you know, and throughout the semester, throughout the years of law school, we tried to think of things differently from a liability perspective. You know, how can we insulate ourselves from liability? And so you take that right. list you saw of everything in society that's potential liability. Um, it really makes you think of it a lot differently. Uh, it's not just from a legal right. perspective. I think, like you mentioned, something that really transcends COVID. We, we saw that um, a lot of employers, they're actually, they've used this COVID timeline to really learn a lot about employee rights and employer rights too. Um, uh, a lot of uh, employees have used this timeline to learn about, you know, some of the public benefits that are available to them, be it through unemployment or other healthcare benefits they have. Um, a lot of people have learned the difference between constitutional rights and civil rights and private rights uh, mm -hmm. because of things that we see right. in the media all day. Uh, we've learned a lot about yeah. uh, disability rights. You know, um, you know, what are your rights in terms of wearing a mask versus not wearing a mask? Uh, we've learned a lot about, you know, unfortunately, exposure um, uh, in the healthcare field. Uh, you know, what are some of the right. societal challenges that we have um, that a lot of people go through that we, we take for granted? We, we, right. you, never, you never think that um, the frontline workers can be janitors and cooks and uh, uh, maids in hospitals. Right. But uh, lo and behold, uh, they're the ones who are working a lot harder and are putting themselves at risk a lot more than people like you and I. Um, and, and historically, right. these are not people that have really been held to a high pedestal in society. 
but uh, their contribution over right. the past several months clearly outweighs any contribution I could have made over the past several months. So I, I, I think you really mm -hmm. look at everybody's unique value in society. Um, right. It's, it's really eye-opening. It's really interesting. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even like... Uh, uh, people who pick people who pick up your garbage yeah. i mean there's they're essential too um and yeah i think you're right uh we do kind of i don't know if, i don't know if demonize is the right word but we, we certainly as a society and i'm not saying you and i just mm -hmm. in general terms uh do look down on um some some jobs that like you said are, are definitely vital and uh it's it's uh, you know me and again i as i said i've been talking covid quite extensively yeah. uh and actually even zara was saying to me uh, the other day that like you know you do, do do something more positive uh stop talking about covid and i'm like well i've got i've got feet coming on and we're gonna probably be talking some covid but uh I, I don't think that i don't think that talking covid has to all be uh doom yeah. and gloom i think that you know there is an idealistic side of me too that that hopes that there's going to be some good coming out of this. Maybe, uh, maybe some positive changes. Maybe society as a whole might start to reevaluate uh, our, you know, our carbon emission in terms of like, our, at least for me personally, like I'm, I'm using almost no yeah. gas. I'm barely driving at all, uh, and we've seen some improvements in different areas. And uh, you know, also getting a little bit on the political side. I, I was a Bernie Sanders supporter, as you mm -hmm. probably know. Um, and I was kind of pushing about uh, emergency socialism and everything and how I, I personally believe that like a lot of the problems that we had with passing, like we had to pass a lot of emergency stimulus yeah. bills to just for people to be able to afford the emergency care they needed. If we had universal health care already, then that wouldn't have yeah. been an issue. Um, so, I, you know, the idealistic me hopes that maybe uh, this might have some long term positive uh, outcomes. Um, but we, we, I guess we'll just have yeah, to I, I, I think on that point, you know, uh, I think a takeaway we have is that a lot of us were a lot more similar than we are different. I think we've been so, we, we've been so busy, um, especially this past few years with the, the administration we have, really identifying identifying ourselves based on our differences, uh, mostly political, mostly political right. differences. But um, right. seeing the challenges we've had in society over the past several months, you know, whether it's the COVID nineteen, uh, the disease itself. Um, or it's the financial implications of it, or it's employment challenges, or it's societal churches and mosques and synagogues closing. Closing, we're all in the same boat, um, and right. it's more than just us in you know Sacramento, or California, or the U.S. I think internationally, we really see that humanity is in the same boat. Um, you know, it, it's, we're, right. we're a lot more connected than we are separate. Going back to the you know phase you talked earlier about technology, we're a lot more connected than we are separate. And I think we've seen the implications that a devastating virus or disease has to bring us closer um, in one way or another. We just hope that, you know, uh, uh, this is not short-lived. And we hope we don't go back to hating each other and want to kill each other and burn each other at the stake right. um, uh, shortly thereafter. But um, uh, yeah. obviously, you know, there are political overtones and undertones and everything that happens in the country. Um, and so we'll, we'll right. see. We'll see how things play out. I, I remain hopeful. I, to a certain extent, I remain hopeful yeah. that um, at least the people who have been implicated in a negative way, the people that have been, that have said, you know, I lost my job. They say, all right, there's more to life than hating my neighbor because he's from a different political party. There is more to life than, you know, having an issue with this. Hey, my kids don't have a school to go to, for example. That's a big issue. Uh, someone might not have right. health care insurance. That's a big issue. And hopefully these issues 
the seriousness of these issues transcend a lot of the um, uh, trivial issues that you know we're so busy, we're so caught up with on a day-to-day basis. Right. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too. A point you bring up that I, I think a lot of uh, a lot of your beliefs is kind of based on your needs. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you grow up in a in a in a place of poverty and you don't have as much, maybe you value those sorts of things uh, such as universal health care or, or uh, the yeah. like versus somebody who grew up with a lot of privilege maybe doesn't doesn't think as much and maybe to your point about this whole experience uh, maybe it will open because of there you know there have been more people that have been affected by it or at the at minimum you know somebody who's been affected by it and uh, you know one can just hope that uh, we have some yeah. positive outcome yeah, in the long I mean, run uh, I, I... You know, as we mentioned earlier, when we were chatting offline, I don't think there's any family that has not been affected by this. There's no person who has not been affected by this, be right. it, you know, um, uh, physically, if they, they or themselves or a loved one or a friend has gone through the, uh, the health care challenges of COVID-19. Financially, if they're either a business owner or an employee um, or an employer who has had some financial implication, um, Maybe mentally, if you're a mom or a dad and you realize that, hey, you know, you're weighing, you got to pick a choice now. Do you stay at home and take care of your kids because they're no longer in school eight hours a day, or do you go to work because you need an income? Um, and, I, you know, right. it's a challenge. And a lot of people, we're seeing challenges, we're seeing the emotional strains putting on families. Nobody has not been affected by it. And so, um, uh, right. taking that and appreciating the fact that, you know, we're all in this boat one way or another in this boat somehow right um it should it should mm-hmm. hopefully we hope realign some priorities that we have as a society um and that realignment right. uh we hope comes sooner rather than later and it brings more good um in the long term than it yeah. does bring a, a challenge and hatred and animosity and those kinds of things yeah. right yeah, well, I know that you're uh, you're a busy man. Uh, your 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 work in Louisiana. Well, you actually you commute back and forth, right? Your office yeah, yeah, is I, here I, in Elk Grove. Maintain my work. Uh, you know, I have uh, split some time uh, in a lot of places, so I come to Louisiana every couple of weeks, and in California also often. So the other half of it, right. and, uh, you know, what was available with technology now? You mentioned it's crazy because um, uh, uh, during this COVID nineteen thing, I came to um, South a few. Not too long ago, and I've been I've been delaying travel to go back just because you don't want to take part in the airfare, you don't know what the challenges are, and we've still been able to work with technology nowadays. Like you and I are chatting now on Zoom, it's probably going to be the same uh, uh, in California for quite a while. And I have a lot of clients that we're doing right. real estate transactions, we're doing um, estate planning, business deals, even some litigation platforms we're doing all through technology without having to do you know. Right, in person work. And, you know, hopefully one day we can be in some tropical paradise doing work. Uh, hopefully, it's good right. to dream, right? Uh, you can be in some tropical paradise mm-hmm. doing work as long as you have the internet connection. You can be doing that. But um, it's right. really it's really a sign of how yeah. advanced I think technology has become and how it impacts each and every industry uh, to get a job done. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, no, um, I I think it's just it's really incredible how much. Things are changing, um, but I'm, I'm super appreciative Thanks of you for, for coming me. on. Uh, like I said, yeah, I uh, I mean I I really give you major props on on your website and your videos are, are very professional looking and uh, um, you know for anybody that's that's watching or listening right now, uh, Mr. Tofik Marar is uh, is a class A uh, individual and you would not go wrong with uh, with 
reaching out to him if, thanks, if he thanks, needed something. Uh, thanks for the, uh, uh, the upkeep and the talks, Chris. I appreciate it. I'm always here if you got any questions. <laughs> for anyone listening out there, you can always go to my website, morarlaw.com, M-O-R-R-A-R-L-A-W.com. You can uh, give our office a call. The phone number's on the website as well. Um, anything you guys need to reach out. And uh, thanks for having me, Chris. It was really nice chatting with you. And uh, we'll, we'll talk soon as well. Yeah, you too. Stay, thanks, stay thanks. safe out there in appreciate Louisiana. It, thanks for, take care. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Uh, we will definitely be having Mr. Tofik Barar back very soon uh, to provide more uh, important knowledge and insight. Uh, you can check him out at morarlaw.com. That's M-O-R-R-A-R law.com. Definitely recommend checking him out. He has blogs. Uh, he does a series of videos. And as he said in the, in the podcast, uh, just a lot of good free resources. Um, and as I said, you know, there's, there's so much out there in the way of social media. It's hard to know uh, what's, what's good and what's wrong. Uh, and I can definitely vouch for uh, Tofik. So uh, definitely check him out. And uh, I will be talking with you guys again very soon. Thanks again. And remember, don't be afraid to question the consensus. Thank you.